Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Aaron. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Book Hoarders Anonymous. Woo! Yay! I'm Shannon. And I'm Aaron. And we are here to talk about, uh, among other things, The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. That was our book for this month. It was all 17 hours and however many minutes of it. Oh, but, uh, but now that we, but before we do that, um, let's um, say hello to our listeners. Uh, don't think I have any email or uh, Twitter to report yet. I will when we get into our news stories, but um, I, I thought maybe we would, we would start out with, with, some, uh, with some news stories. Yeah, because there was actually quite a lot that happened since the last yeah, time we absolutely. talked. Um, um, building on our tech stories from last week, you got the new Victor Reader stream, and we talked about that. Um, we talked about that last week, uh, last time. But uh, now I understand it supports Audible finally. It does. It does, and it's very. It, there was an update that came out. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I installed it, and actually have put um, two. I have two Audible books on there now, and I'm about to, to upload a, a third because I um, remembered that I'd purchased it in Audible, and I, I had this another copy of the same book that I got, I got from Bard, and I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I'd rather read the commercial version. But anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> Since I paid for it, well, sure. <laughs> but yeah, it it it, uh, it supports Audible now. It supports the Audible four and the enhanced um, formats. And oh. I I had forgotten how um, like the part of me that that is a little bit book organizing kind of doesn't like the way they did they structured their Audible shelf because you like. Um, on the book sense, you could put all your books in different folders, no matter what shelf you were in. And so, like, you knew that you were always going to be listening to one book from beginning to end. And the Victor Reader stream, like, all each Audible book, you know, is divided into parts. And so when you get when you get a part, you have to move to the next part in the Audible uh, shelf. So I find that kind of <laughs> annoying. So in other words, what you're like saying that, is... But, what you're saying is when you... When you get to the end of a part, the book sense would automatically transition you to the next part, and Victor just says, end of book, and then you have to go to the next part? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that is annoying. Well, because, like, it won't let you, put, it won't let you like, separate the books into folders on mm-hmm. Victor, like, whereas the book sense in the Audible shelf, you could. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, it's, it's hard to know exactly how long in total the book time is going sure. to be. You just know how long your part is going to be. Right. But given that, given that, like, we didn't have the support before and now we do, that's a little bit like, you know, me complaining about a serious non-issue. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad that, that the option is now available um some a couple listeners have noticed at least i think these people listen to us they they've noticed that um the volume 
the the volumes on the stream since the latest upgrade are like really wacky now. Uh, they don't adjust correctly. Have you noticed that problem? I haven't noticed that problem. I've tended to notice that since I upgraded it. Well, I did actually, like when I first did the upgrade, but I think, but I think now it seems to be, um, it seems to be okay. But I, I think also, like I don't tend to, like I'm either listening to it with the headphones or without, and I'm not always switching back and forth all that often. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that makes a difference, but I have heard that too. Huh. But it hasn't bothered me enough that I'm, you know. Yeah. That you're, like, going to throw it out the window or something. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Speaking of, well, accessibility, um, the Amazon Kindle app is now accessible. Yes, on, on the iPhone. I don't know if it is on the Android just yet. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, and And I do know that the cloud reader is not accessible i've tried using that that's i I have not been able to get that that to work and the pc app has not been updated but amazon says updates coming soon whatever that means but yes soon after our uh latest podcast came out our last podcast came out rather um the app became accessible and i have just been having the time of my life with uh with it it's been awesome Yes, I, I, I have noticed that you had the time of your life with the Kindle app, and I can't wait till we talk about what we've been reading, because it sounds like... Yeah, um, <laughs> you I, can... I, I have been reading uh, several Kindle books, and I've also, I mean, I've been reading some books, you know, from Bard, too, so, you know, it's kind of a half and half, but um, it's been it's been really fun, and I'm very glad that I, that I have it. Um, I've you know, been contacted by some listeners who are, who wonder how I can read so many books because of the Kindle app. And I think the regular Kindle, you can do the same thing, post to Twitter when you finished a book. So I, mm-hmm. you know, post when I finish things. And A, uh, the books that I read tend not to be very long. And B, um, I listen at 95% speech rate on the iPhone. So, it's pretty fast. Yeah, uh, yeah. You can rip through them <laughs> fairly quickly. Um, you know, I mean, you've got, it's good old Samantha. So I'm not listening to commercial narration where I really want to relish the, you know, the inflections. <laughs> no. Now, all that said, I had to kind of get used to it because uh, I have been doing a lot of my reading with audio lately and commercial versions, especially, you know, for the past few years. Uh, I've done a lot less with text-to-speech than I used to since I got access to Bard. Um, and uh, so I kind of had to get used to it again. But it wasn't it wasn't terrible, too terrible of a transition. Um, and it was awesome reading reading them in Braille, uh, reading on the Braille with... Uh, on the Braille display, you know, with the Braille Edge with the uh, Kindle app. That is, that is a load of fun. Um, oh, that really sounds awesome. There are... <laughs> Some issues I find with going from screen to screen um, with the Bluetooth, with the transitioning, uh, with the Braille display. And I'm not sure. It like it doesn't seem to – it takes a while for it to catch up sometimes. Um, but, you know, that's, that's okay. I guess that's to be expected and something that they can work out. 
Uh, and it's definitely not a deal breaker. But stay tuned for a Tech Access democast soon to be released on the Kindle for iOS app or featuring that app, uh, among other things, with the Kindle. Because um, I just had so much fun, I had to make a, a demo cast of it. <laughs> Absolutely. That'll be exciting. Yeah. So Amazon is venturing into fan fiction. Yes, um, this was published, or, or this came out, I think, like, in the last couple of weeks. They, um, there's something called Worlds, I think it is, and, and you can write fan fiction about certain specialized um, products. And it's, um, it's all very, like, uh, um, it, it looks like what the... Probably the the worlds they're they're opening for this are are like like the Gossip Girl and the Pretty Little Liars and the you know young adult type things that are already written by corporations like there's nobody named Sarah Shepard or Cecily whatever her name is that are actually writing these books. It's like you know yeah, yeah. a company. So I suppose that fan fiction in that sense. I mean you know it's sort of already. Um, like it you know it's not like Harry Potter or anything like that no and 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 I think I mean it it's debatable as to whether this is you know going to be a money maker for them or not, but apparent you know apparently the authors, whoever they are, are going to get thirty five percent royalties on whatever they write um I just don't know how well it's going to sell that that's just something that it makes me yeah really... i I think the thing that the thing that always sort of like gets to me about discussions of fan fiction is that like, you know, that so many people are going from, are taking their fan fiction and filing off the serial numbers that some people call it and then publishing it as original fiction. Um, like I, I think that's a bit weird for me, but, but I don't know that I would pay to read fan fiction when yeah. like I could probably go find gossip girl <laughs> fan fiction for free. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. On the internet. And I can you can probably find fan fiction for a lot of these TV shows for yeah. free. And and then I could sell it send it to my Kindle already. So really basically really? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Great point. So I mean, you know, I don't know. And I think fan fiction though is something that's really appreciated more by people who may be younger than us. Um maybe I, not. I, but I mean maybe I don't know. I, I think it's it, it, like it's sort of a changing culture. Like I, um, I, oh, that I made me sound so was, old the way I said that. That's I know, really right? What I meant, but <laughs> it like when I was really reading fan fiction, it was back in the days of Harry Potter, and mm. and you know, like oh, those many ten whole years ago. Oh my god. Oh, god. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, like and and we just didn't we didn't have you know like. And he was like, nobody was ever going to be taking their Professor Snape and Hermione fan fiction. Danger Granger. <laughs> yeah, of grief. <laughs> and, and publishing it anywhere. And I just, I don't know, like, it just seems like such a slippery slope to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what what is going to happen with this. Yeah, I mean, that said, there are a lot of things published on Kindle that you know, people pay for and they are just not worth the money <laughs> to me. I mean, they've got, they've got typos in them. They've got 
people's names are wrong. I'll, I'll discuss it in a minute when I get to something that I actually am in the process of reading on the Kindle. Um, but I found that a lot of the things I have been reading have had, you know, editorial mistakes in them. And I'm yeah. glad that I didn't pay for them <laughs> when it comes down to <laughs> yeah. it, unfortunately. But we'll see. Um, you know, Amazon's big enough that if it doesn't make money at this, oh, well, you know, it'll yeah. just kind of like toss it aside and that'll be it. Um, I think it's supposed to launch this month, Kindle Worlds. So, yeah. um, you know, we'll see how it works out. And I think they're only going to start, like you said, with those few shows. So they're just going to dip their toe in the water, see, you know, see if it works out. And then, uh, you know, we'll see. Like you, I'm well, kind of skeptical about it. Well, speaking of audiobooks, um, it came out this last week that NLS, National Library Service for the Blind, um, has gotten a partnership with Hachette Audio to produce, uh, take some of their commercial offerings and put them on board. That'll be wonderful. Um, I don't know anything in particular that they have done that I would want. Um, I mean, you know... I think they've done a lot of things that, that um, I, I think they're one of the bigger players out there. I know that they do a lot of romance and things like that. So Ooh, maybe that's what rivers. they'll start with, but <laughs> maybe they do, the, be... maybe they do the Harlequin romances. I, you know, I think Harlequin has their own like audio. Wouldn't that be awesome if Bard somewhere. had a partnership with them? That would be fun. Oh, so many books. Yeah, I know. So many. And, and of course, there's no knowing how long it'll take before we see any of these things. And, and I, you know, like whether they'll get backlist titles or what. It's been kind of interesting um, seeing people react to some of the commercial audio endeavors that Bard has, has done. And, and because, like, I had somebody who called me and was very upset that um, they started going with the commercial versions of the Eve Dallas in Death books. Mm-hmm. because, like, you and I were talking before the show about, you know, being used to certain narrators, and this woman was so used to Mar Hardy reading Eve Dallas, and she, when she got, when Susan Erickson, oh. it, was, it, was, it was a change for her. Mm-hmm. She didn't like it, and she wanted to know different. if we could go back to Martha. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, that may be, you know, that may be a problem, but I think, um, I, I'm wondering if they're going to keep, what they usually do, sometimes if they get commercial versions of, of books, they'll keep the commercial version, but if they have a, an NLS version that's already been done up there already, they'll keep it up there. Um, and, and occasionally, you see two NLS versions of the same book up there, so yeah, they may give you, they may give you a choice. So, choice is good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure how exactly to segue this next story in there, the last <laughs> news story, but choices. Hmm, let's see. Choices. Um, there is a new iOS app that you will have the choice of whether or not to pay for. Uh, you can or cannot <laughs> download it. That's really not a good segue, but you know, got to do what you got to do. It <laughs> is called Panna, P-A-N-N-A, and it is a cooking magazine that is coming out. Um, it started, I believe, as a Kickstarter project, and it is now uh, coming out in iOS. Um, actually, it's been out for a few months. It's approximately $4.99 an issue or $14.99 for an annual subscription, which is about the same price as a regular newsstand magazine that you mm-hmm. would buy on the newsstand. 
Uh, one interesting thing with this app is that it is um, basically a bunch of TV chefs, you know, well-known chefs on, on, the, t- on the tube, uh, getting together and demonstrating cooking various recipes. And I think at the, at the moment that's all it is, and it's video demonstrations. So each magazine will be a basically basically a conglomeration of you know chefs demonstrating how to cook their various recipes, and you will be able to print a version of the recipe if you want you know to to take it and get it into your shopping list. Um, since it is four ninety nine, I I think you buy it through the newsstand, and um, it is not you know something I've played with, but um, to see if it's accessible, but if that interests anybody, it is out there, and uh, you can, um, you know, you can subscribe to it. In the future, they are going to put in an ask and answer section for the chef. You know, ask the chef questions, which should be fun. Uh, but it's it's basically like if you know, I guess you were to go to, you know, cookinglight.com. They have demonstrations on their website, but this is more, you know, in a you get them in a group every every couple of months uh, to come into your come onto your iDevice. You can watch them actually preparing their food, and they probably make it look so easy. Of course, it won't be nearly <laughs> as easy to do. But uh, for those of you who like to cook, uh, might be interested in in that new app at least to try it out. Okay, well, I guess we'll move on now um, right. to the what we're what we're reading. And um, since I get us that way, I'll I guess I'll start. Um, I, read, I also downloaded the Kindle app. I have not been um, very. Uh, I haven't I haven't gone as 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 hog wild as Aaron <laughs> seems to to have, um, because like there's a lot of there's a lot of books out there for free or for fairly cheap for a limited limited time. But I. Um, I feel like I already have such a huge stack of things I need to read that I'm trying so hard to be <laughs> to be good about not doing random things just because they look <laughs> silly, which is you. which is often <laughs> what draws me. Um, although that being said, today I saw a book for 99 cents on my like I subscribed to this thing called BookBub, which gives which gives you like a you can select the, your different um, genres that you want to read, and it will give you like deals. It's not always free books. It's it like it's often you know like uh, ninety nine cent books. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the books I found today for ninety nine cents, as we're recording the podcast, of course it it'll probably be up to like its normal price by the time it goes out. Of course, but it's called Claws: Legend of the Fat Man. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's, it's under the premise that. What would happen if Santa Claus um, was not the jolly old Saint Nick that we know and love, but was defending his elven race, or his <laughs> elven people, against something that's trying to take over the world? Oh my lord, that's funny. and I don't, I don't know if it's any good, but I, I, it, it was a buck, so why not? <laughs> oh, how funny! That is, that is something that would be really fun, probably to read at Christmas time. Yeah, like, you know, I think dark so. Christmas noir, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> But um I did I did download a book that that um hadn't been able to find anywhere else. Um the book is called uh Cut to the Quick and the author is Kate Ross and she wrote I think it was four books 
in this in this mystery series, and then she sadly died of cancer. Oh. Um, so, but but um, cut cut to the quick is features. Um, it, it's set in Regency England, and it features um, Julian Kestrel, who is this oh, sort of a dandy. Right, I think you've talked about her books before. Yeah, yeah, I, I like was so interested in in them, and I finally read it this this like couple weeks ago. And he, yeah, he was a he was a dandy, and he like he like you know looks like he's um, you know one of those people that doesn't really seem to to have much going on. But of right. course, you know, his to- appearances are totally deceiving, and and kind of reminded me a bit of the Dorothy Sayers, Peter Whimsey books. So I, which made me predisposed to like it, and it turned out to be a really really well done character driven mystery with some nice period detail and I really I really loved it um and then also I <laughs> I read I reread the first book in the Black Dagger Brotherhood series oh. because I'm determined to to actually finish it and like I I feel like if you if I start start in on that series knowing that gradually the romances in each successive book um, start to become less and less the focus as she, you know, spins out all these subplots. Right. <laughs> you know, it won't annoy me quite so much <laughs> knowing what I'm in for. Yeah. Um, but so, and it was actually pretty good. I, I feel like, um, I, I don't know, like they're, I, I have forgotten how silly they, those, those books can be because people talk about them so seriously. <laughs> and, yeah. And, yeah. You know, and, and it's mm-hmm. like the thing that, the, and I had forgotten that that um, that Wrath was was blind, and 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 sometimes I feel like so did the author because there'd be hey, some, sometimes you know he would be going along do 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 do, and then it'd be like oh yeah he's blind he needs to look at his braille clock now and see what time it is, and and so I. I just I kind of thought that was a little a little silly, but it was cute and and um I I'm definitely ready for for round two. She she got me hooked, and so I'm definitely excited to read Rage's book. Um, let's see. And then I read my at at work we we do this book club thing once a quarter, um, where where various members of the staff pick a book and we all have lunch and talk about it for an hour. And um, the next one is in June and the book is The Notebook oh. by Nicholas Sparks. So I read it and um, really didn't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I f- feel a bit like like I'm kicking a puppy for saying that because, <laughs> you know, I do read a lot of romance and so you would think that, that like Nicholas Sparks should be something that I could appreciate. But sure. I just didn't yeah um i i have read one nicholas sparks book and i forget the name of it i actually um it was the first commercial audiobook i read through barge you know like the first one that i read that Mm -hmm. that they had um and and it was um it was read by a man named Holter Graham, who actually, it was a wonderful narration choice for the book, because, like, it was about a guy, uh, you know, so it was told from the guy's point of view, right? But he had, like, 
a guy voice, but it was like also a very tender voice at the same time. Like he wasn't afraid to 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 narrate with a little bit of tenderness. So mm-hmm. it was an excellent choice. But I did not. You're right. I didn't like. I didn't like the book. It was cheesy. It was hokey. It was I wish so I could remember cheesy. the name of the book. It was and not the Notebook. I think the problem that I had was that um, like the guy was so perfect. I mean, you know, like birds practically ate out of his hand. Aww. Like, you know, he, he you know, uh, I, he just like everything he did was just absolutely always the right thing to do. And then the whole conflict of the notebook um, at young people is that like, should the heroine go with him who's like, you know, this paragon of manliness and perfection or like some douchebag that she's already engaged to? Right. <laughs> right. And it's like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder what she's going to pick. I just don't know. And I was kind of expecting it, expecting like something else. Like, you know, oh, it turned out she didn't pick the perfect guy. She went, she went with the other one. And that's who's reading to her from this notebook every day. Mm. <laughs> About yeah. this love that she lost, or something like that. I don't know anything, yeah. <laughs> but it was like I knew exactly where the story was going to go. It never went anywhere different from what I expected. And um, <laughs> but the only thing was that I did, I did like the bard narrator of that. He, he the book was set in the South, and he did he um, his Southern accent was pronounced, but and it sounded like he like he was his actual accent, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> But he and and it was just and it was not too much and it was it was the kind of thing that that saved it for me actually like had mm-hmm. I not listened to him read it I probably yeah. would have not finished not it. Finished it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, um, what I just finished today, um, despite the fact that I didn't have don't have much taste for Nicholas Sparks, I do sort of like those small town. Um, you know, like all the quirky characters in a small town and all the quirky adventures they have kind mm-hmm. of books. I don't know what you call that genre of fiction, but <laughs> um, they're like, somebody has been trying to get me to read the, the Father Tim books by Jim, Jan Karen, and I didn't read that <laughs> because I didn't have enough room to put it on my SD card. But there's an author that's very similar named Philip Gully that writes about um, a small town and, and a Quaker pastor in, oh. in Indiana. And it's the Harmony series. Mm-hmm. And um, so I read the second book in that series. I'd read the first one a couple of years ago and um, and really liked it. I, I feel a little ashamed of my own propensity for cheese when I say that. But, you know, it was just a very nice little, sure. um, like, very funny type of... There's this whole subplot about this one guy who's a bit of a, um, like... <laughs> He he's a bit of a dreamer, but he has no like he and and he's pushy, and so like he gets people to go along with these stupid schemes that he has. And this scheme was that he was going to raise chickens and feed them pieces of paper with scriptures written on them, so that when the chicken laid eggs and you opened the eggs, it'd be like your Bible verse for the day, which would somehow get into the eggshell as if by magic, <laughs> the magic <Yeah>. eggshell, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> It was it was it was incredibly silly, but it was it was fun. That, and, that does um, sound fun. I think, and my next book is going to be the is going to be Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet, which is, that is um, a very good book. Very. I'm, I'm excited about that, and and the book club that I am in locally that I won't be able to make this time is reading it, but I wanted to in solidarity 
<laughs> we'll sure. read the book too since I've had it on for a while. Yeah, it's very good. And the the bard narration is good too. Um if you've got if you've got that version. Um I, I actually it. bought it on Audible and mm-hmm. so that's the third book I have to <laughs> load oh. onto my like I bought it years ago and then just mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. downloaded it. <laughs> well, you read about Quaker um a Quaker small town. I, I'm in the process of reading an Amish book on the Kindle, and this is where I'm going to just gripe about the Kindling books, publishing quality, and get it out of the way because I know that will bore everybody but me. Um, I, I, you know, I, I was. It's great reading stuff on the Kindle, and I, and I was lent this book uh, by uh, one of our listeners. At least I think she listens, um, and. Um, I she she said she uh she didn't like it, but uh, Lisa Salinger said she didn't like it that well, and I started reading it, and I tried not to be influenced by her decision. But then, as I was going through the book, I said, you know, I don't like this either. Um, there was like one se- sentence, a whole uh, four or five pages where they got this woman's name wrong. I mean, they were calling her by a different last name the whole oh, no. time. <laughs> I'm like, no, that is not her name. I know her name because it like said it in the beginning of the book and now we're a fourth of the way through and they're calling her something different uh and the end of a sentence was repeated twice and i thought well maybe the braille display is acting weird but then i turned voiceover you know i turned the speech back on and it was actually repeated twice and there are like a lot of um um well a little other things the book is called living amish the wedding season and it's I guess part of a series, the Winter Faith Trilogy or something, by Rachel Stoltzfus, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, And, you know, it's cute, but I'm going to be glad when it's over with. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's my first foray into Amish fiction, and I do not, I don't enjoy it. Uh, But then again, maybe there's... Amish fiction that's a, a lot better than this. Oh, with less there's lots of Amish fiction on Bard. So, yeah, you know, so, if you ever want, like, to be read some Amish fiction, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's very it's very cool in, in a sense of, you know, trying to portray the lifestyle and everything. So that's very interesting. Uh, basically, this girl was... Um, uh, she, she has, you know, a boyfriend. And, and I guess, you know, under Amish community rules, it's the courting traditions are very strict and this english well this american guy was like coming into the community and wanted to be with her and apparently i mean the book starts after he kidnaps her so it's really not oh. I mean, you know me sailing <laughs> me saying that is not a spoiler because the book starts after that happens and it deals with his trial and that's about all i know at the moment so it's her dealing with you know testifying at the trial and everything else um that's actually sort of a subplot the main plot seems to be that her regular Amish boyfriend is still courting her and the girl down the road wants to date him, but according to their courting traditions, she can't, um, you know, vie for his attention because he's concentrating on our heroine, Miriam, and, uh, you know, this other girl's trying to get him to concentrate on her, and I'm not really, I mean, I kind of know where this is going to go, and, you know, whether or not I'll finish it or not is debatable, but, you know, it's kind of, I've noticed that a lot of Kindle books have some grammatical mistakes and some spelling mistakes in them. And it's kind of, you know, I guess maybe it's because a lot of times these are, you know, small authors and they're editing their own work and they may miss things. And that might be it. Yeah. Um, 
and you know, not everything I've read has had errors in it. Um, there have been some things that I have read that are fabulous. Um, a, an author uh, by the name of Bob Sims, who I think you know is one another you know sort of like small author. Uh, and has written a couple of books for the Kindle. Um, this book is completely on the opposite end of the spectrum. This is The Young Demon Keeper by Bob Sims, and it was the most hysterical thing I have read in a long time. I mean, I was like, you know, bawling, laughing my head off because it was so funny. Um, and I read it after I finished the uh, book that we read for the podcast. I had to read something funny, and this was just mm-hmm. this was just the piece... Uh, basically, this guy decides to. He's not a bad guy. He, he, you know, he's a good person, but he doesn't have, you know, women and, you know, I mean, kind of like, you know, a, a guy in his late twenties who wants to find a girl, and he thinks if he summons a demon from hell, this demon can provide him with everything that he's ever wanted. Uh, <laughs> and and this is after he summons the demon. So it starts after the demon's already been summoned. He realizes he he has not summoned a demon exactly. Uh, a sort of like a half-breed who's got the mental equivalency of probably a child of the age of four. And oh, no. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely hysterical, the things that this little demon, demon-esque creature um, gets in trouble and does crazy things because he doesn't understand what our hero Paul, you know, what he actually wants. Um, and it ends up that, you know, towards the end of the book... Um, the only you you know you find out why he was able to summon him and you know the 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 things that happen when he tries to get rid of him it's it's actually really funny. Okay, we'll 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 stray from the Kindle and go to a few books I read um, on Bard. One series I read was the um, the Sleeping Beauty trilogy by A. N. Rockalore, otherwise known as Anne Rice, um, who basically wrote an erotic fantasy series based on the whole, like, Sleeping Beauty fairy tale. Um, What happens when beauty wakes up, basically. Um, And it's a very... Okay, if you you want books with lots of plot intermixed with the sex scenes, don't read these books, because most of it is BDSM all the way. Oh. It's, um... It's it's basically you know bondage and dominance and submission, and beauty is is trained as a submissive uh, in these various settings. Um, the prince who awakens her, um, he doesn't just wake her up; he actually rapes her to wake her up, takes her sexually, it's, <laughs> like you do. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know all that said, if you, if you want plot, you know these books are not are not you know, would not be a good thing. But if you, I read them because it was just, I don't know, I started reading it and I thought, this is crazy. And then before I knew it, I was finished with the book. Um, They're very elegantly written. Um, They're almost written in like you would read, you know, a fairy tale. The language is a little bit stilted. Um, Mm -hmm. It's hard to explain because it's not like, you know, old English or anything, but the language is a bit stilted. It's not like you're reading, you know, a modern day, romance novel of some sort um so it's really it was really kind of cool the way she she did it to make you feel like you were still in a fairy tale um while you were reading it and all three of them are written that way and i have to say the narrator that they chose was a brilliant choice they chose um george holmes which 
it's kind of weird since a lot of the book is told from Beauty's point of view. Um, but as you get into the second and third books, they're actually half and half between her and a male protagonist. So they, you know, they, they switch between the two, um, two different male protagonists. And so uh, his reading was very sort of dramatic and he, he brought some life into the, into the, you know, into the scenes. And there was a lot of very inventive sex. <laughs> in these three books. Very, very inventive. I did read A Dance with Dragons, the fifth in the Song of Ice and Fire series by George R. R. Martin. Uh, you and I talked about it last time. Yeah, you were not able to finish it. I did finish it. I wept because a certain very major character dies. I'll just go ahead and throw that out there since I said it on Twitter um, when I was, uh, when I had finished that I don't know how this is going to proceed since a certain major character i did not give the name has died and this series it, you know it's no secret that major characters die off and somehow exactly. he makes it go on so you know but all that said i didn't think this person was going to die and it was sad because i like this person uh and yes you are correct that Tyrion lannister does say where do whores go a lot but it it does not it kind of tapers off after the first couple of instances of you know a couple of chapters where he's the main person protagonist um and i mean you know i liked the book some of it is a bit there is so it, it was a bit overlong um mm -hmm. i have to say storm of swords is is the longest book and i think it needed to be as long as it was the third book because a lot happened in that book the yeah, fourth and fifth, yeah. The, the fourth and fifth books have been rather bloated um, yeah, and that's the main criticism I have, you know, of these last two books. Uh, that said, I I will finish it. I will definitely read to the end uh, because you know there's so much stuff that's still going on that you want to know how is it going to end. Um, and the way he's cranking out the books, slow as molasses lately. The TV series may end before the books end. <laughs> you just never know. Uh, and and that's been some speculation actually has been going on about that in uh, circles where people are actually watching the HBO series because they're kind of like, well, are they going to tell, are, are, is he going to tell them how it's supposed to end and are they going to end the series like they ended the books? Um, I hear that, you know, this series is trying to parallel the books a lot. Some of the series, like True Blood, you know, strayed a lot from the books and I think that was the, mm -hmm. inten that was the intention. But I think they're trying to make it, you know, as true to form as possible. So, there, you know, for the Ice and Fire series, so there is some worry that it may not, you know, they may not end the same if he doesn't get his act in gear and start publishing the books before, you know, before uh, they gave some kind of timetable, like based on his current rate of getting them out, it wouldn't be out before 2017. And that's, that would be the seventh season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So hopefully. Know. So hopefully, <laughs> yeah. And um, the last book, and I point this and I put it in this position because it kind of deals with some of the same issues that our book of the month does, uh, but in a lighter, con somewhat lighter context. Um, the last book that I read, oh, I read a, 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 speaking of fan fiction for money, a book based on the uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine series called Blood Letter by K.W. Jeter. Um, and I bring it up because... Um, this particular TV series focuses a lot on some of the things that the book we just read focused on. Um, if there are a lot of religious aspects to it, um, if you, regardless of whether you have religion or not, 
faith and belief are some of the central themes in this TV series, which makes it unique in the uh, Star Trek like ethos. The other ones don't do that as much. Um, but this book actually uh, focused a lot on that, and it was kind of interesting because this guy was carried xenophobia to an extreme, and he tried to kill off one of the main characters, uh, you know, in the series. Of course, that's the way that a lot of these books go. Some of the main characters are menaced in some way, or, you know, the ship or space station or wherever they're at is menaced in some way. But he tried to, uh, he tried to kill her off in the name of, basically, religion. And it's, it was just quite ironic because they're from the same place. She has the same religious belief but definitely not to the fanatical extent that he did. And it was, it was her attempt to evade him, uh, you know, and, and to, well, she had to kill him because otherwise he was, he was pretty much crazy by the end of it. And uh, so it, it, it dealt a lot with, you know, how being a fanatic can skew your perceptions. And it was a very sort of cheesy it was kind of cheesy, but you know, hey, it's a Star Trek book, and a lot of them are cheesy, so I expected it, and uh, it was good to read it after, I mean, it, it dealt with a heavy issue in a kind of cheesy way, uh, and it was kind of good to read it um, after the book we had just read. Hmm. So, so should we move on to the book we just we read? We should move on to the book we just read. This okay, was... we read The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell, and it was a heavy book, and I like that you read lighthearted things, and then I proceeded to read the notebook. That might explain a lot about why the notebook didn't work for me at all. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> like, I went from this book that actually literally did make me cry to a book that was supposed to make me cry, and, <laughs> and right. they didn't. And in comparison, you're just kind of like, man... In comparison yeah, to that, right. Nicholas Sparks, you can't you don't can't hold a candle to that. Um, <laughs> Try harder, dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Sparrow. So um, I loved it. I did, I thought I it was too. one of the best books I've read this year. I agree, and I you know I generally like my science fiction to be not quite as dark, but I think. Well, I like it. I like the darkness, but I I like some kind of resolution, you know, a resolution that makes you feel like things are going to work out. And this one, you know, didn't have that. But all that said, there is a second book to the to the series that I guess apparently resolves it, uh, you know, resolves yeah. the situation somewhat. So, you know, for those of us who like a little less ambiguity in our endings in general, um, there is a second you know, a second book. Children of God, I believe it's called? Yes, yes. Children of God. Uh, and if you, I mean, the, the premise is that this Jesuit in, in the Sparrow, this Jesuit priest is, one, is the only survivor of a crew that goes to Alpha Centauri to make first contact with an alien race. And in a lot of the, you know, sci-fi books that I've read, the humans aren't the ones making the first contact. The humans are the ones that are found. So this is kind of an interesting premise. You know, we're the explorers. The other, the other, other guys don't know we exist. Um, and I thought that was awesome. You know, they were, he was, they were going out there to find them. Um, and I thought, you know, the, the, the beginning of the book, um, it was great that it was like, you know, it had flashbacks to the past. Mm -hmm. And I generally don't like that kind of nonlinear progression. But in this book, I really found that it worked. I found that it worked really well. It did. And I thought that 
what was really interesting to me was that, the, that like, you know, from the beginning that, 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 like, everything went terribly wrong. Like, that's not a secret. So the whole thing is trying to piece out, like, what happened, like, what the wrong thing was and try to figure, like, I was trying to figure out as I was reading those flashbacks, okay, like, so... Like, what is it? What did they do? And, right. and like, you know, the, the, the present day stuff is so dark. It's mm-hmm. so like, you know, Emilio Santos, our, our priest is such a, such a broken character. And then like you go to like 2017 or whatever it was, you and they're like, um, <laughs> yeah. 2017, such a such a long time in the, in the, in the future, in today's society. Um, uh, and, and like, you know, it's so light and cheerful and, mm-hmm. and, you know, these people are bantering with each other and there's some obvious love there. And it's just like, should I get invested in these characters because I they're know. all going to die? I and know, then, you know, know, but I did. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, yeah. And, and you're kind of like, well, what could go so wrong? You know, this is so, they all seem so happy and, and the mood is so optimistic. And then clearly, you know, once they get down to the planet, it's just kind of like things just, just went wronger and wronger you know but it was also like um like really they didn't know it, mm-hmm. it wasn't like you know they did anything deliberately um to to make these these terrible things happen and I thought that was the most interesting thing because I was kind of expecting like I don't know what I was expecting I think I was kind of expecting like mutiny on the bounty or something like that where like they are lord of the flies where like you know when they got to the planet they'd turn on everybody or something yeah, i don't know I, yeah. and I, I kept expecting like all these relationships that it that it had um forged to uh you know break down and then they didn't and it was just all the stuff that they went through was like you know there was really nothing they could have done there really wasn't and you know a lot of times you read you read books, and, and and I thought this was excellent. I mean, she did a wonderful job of, I don't know, getting it together in such a way that, you know, there really wasn't another choice that I could see, you know, could have been made. And really, the aliens, for their part, did what they would have done. And because, you know, we didn't know anything about them, and they didn't know anything about us, it all went, you know, it all went wrong. And it was so interesting to me that the aliens were, they were, like, sometimes I feel like, you know, like, you have your Star Trek aliens who yeah. are basically, like, humans, but, like, a little weird. <laughs> I yeah. mean, really, like, like the Klingons are not that alien. They're, like... They're more like, yeah, they're not, really. <laughs> like, ancient Mongols or something, yes. you know, Vikings, you know, they're yeah. they're not... There, we we've seen that culture before, mm-hmm. but I thought that she did a really good job with the Rakati of making them like both really strange in a convincing like okay these are clearly not human sort of way, but also like I I could understand their motivate mo- motivations like um, Supa Ari who comes in later like he was just such an interestingly complex character mm-hmm. like. I got him, you know, that yeah, he wanted absolutely. power and, and, you know, he thought that these aliens were, were, um, the way that he might get that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it made sense for him to do what he did. And, and even though like it ended up being a fairly terrible thing, it's not like, um, 
I, I didn't. I, I could understand why, you know, he would have thought it was okay. Right. And and I could have too. And I and I think she did a good job in making them alien, but at the same time making their motivations understandable. You had to think about it a little bit. You know, I mean but to me it was understandable, but yet at the same time it was just you know, they did have a very strange culture and a and a very strange way about doing things. And so I, you know, I thought that was, I thought that was, you know, really interesting. Um, I do plan on reading the second book, but the first book was such an emotional uh, turmoil fest for me, especially towards the end. Uh, I yeah. think I will wait a while on that. I think so too. I read the, I, I finished the first book in, um, was one of those things where I, w- I got to the last two hours of the book, and I tend to read a lot on my commute, and, mm-hmm. and I had like two hours of the book by the time I finished one commute, and I was like, okay, I have to know how this is going to end. And it was like, and she really keeps it like, you know, she tells you what happened, you know, what 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 they found afterwards, you know, um, and and it's like, and, and so you know, you know what to expect. Right. And getting and I liked how you know she had she had you know Emilio read over the transcripts of all these things and he's like well it's all true but it's wrong, it's wrong. yeah and then and and that was really fascinating to me I, that I and I wondered how she was going to pull that off you know especially um, and you know getting into spoilers here you know like the, like you know he kills a child mm-hmm. um, and and. I really didn't know how she was going to make me feel like that was okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then she did. Like, I mean, it wasn't okay, but he wasn't okay with the fact that he did it. Or, you know, and I think that's what, what really, you know, he, he just, he couldn't, he was so crazy by that time and had yeah. been tortured so much that, like, you know, he said he really literally couldn't stop himself. Like, even as he knew he was that he was doing something wrong, it was just all too much. Right. And, and you know, like, it doesn't make it okay, but I, like, I really, oh, that scene made me cry. Oh, I, I, I agree. Um, yeah, so consensus, I think, is that we both enjoyed the book, but that we want something a little bit lighter this next time. <laughs> and so we tried. Um, and and what I what we came up with was um, the Silver Linings Playbook by Matthew Quick, and it was recently made into a movie. I, I'm not sure who's in it because I live under a rock. Um, I don't know either. <laughs> but basically, it it looks like a um it it does sort of look like a lighthearted comedy, you know. It although maybe a little bit of a dark comedy because apparently the the main character is has gone home after he spent some time in a mental institution. Mm-hmm. And he's he's an optimist and he's just waiting because he knows that if he does all these things his his ex-wife will come back to him. And and um so it just looks like it's a it um it, it looks like it's a little bit more lighthearted, and you know, I hope so. I, I've, I, the reviews look very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we will be doing that, and next time we, I will read up some on the movie because I know nothing about it. Uh, but in preparation, I'll, I'll read up on it. And uh, your brother's—you said your brother saw the movie and liked it. My brother, my brother actually read the book and oh. and read like before I moved out here he he read the first chapter to me out loud mm-hmm. and it was really it was funny 
Oh, that's good. That's good to know. It, <laughs> so, it would be interesting to read, you know, something like mental institution coming out of it, trying to make it funny. I'm interested yeah. in seeing how that's going to work. <gasps> but, yeah, so it'll be, um, and it's a lot shorter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a lot it's, shorter. It's like um, seven hours instead of 17. <laughs> yeah, and it is available on Bard and Audible. On Audible. And I'm not sure about Bookshare. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. The Silver Lines Playbook by Matthew Quick. And um, we will wrap this up, I guess, um, with our contact info. If you want to get in touch with the book hoarders, it's bhapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us at, at book hoarders. Or you can go to the website at bhapodcast.com. Um, and, uh, I am Aaron Edgar on Twitter. And I am Bardsong on Twitter. So those are our contact details. And, um, any last words of wisdom? Um, don't, don't get out, stay out in the sun too long. Yeah, <laughs> Drink you plenty go. of water because it's getting to be summer. Yes, plenty <laughs> of fluids, everyone. Stay out of the weather. And, um, if you, you know, there are any, like, tornado advisories, stay in the house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with all of that said, happy summer, happy reading. And, and we'll see you in a month. Bye. Bye. I read um, A Dance with Dragons. Oh, you finally finished it. I did read it. I read it soon after we recorded the podcast, actually, the last um, podcast. <laughs> I, I went on... Um, my Victor Reader stream, and I actually bookmarked all the places where Tyrion says, where do whores go? Oh, God. And, and just so you know, it's mostly towards the beginning of the book. And, oh, and so it's he over. Stops. He eventually Good. stops doing it. And, and you, really, it's mostly him going, channeling his father in his head, going, where do whores go? And it's so dumb. Uh, but there, I believe there were like 22 mentions. Wow. I, I, I bookmarked because that was what all my bookmarks were. I just placed a bookmark wherever he said that. And uh, it, it ended up being about 21 or 22 bookmarks. To contact the book hoarders, send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow book hoarders on Twitter. Call us at 520-81-BOOKS, 520-812-6657. 
and visit the website at bhapodcast.com.